Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. Today we're going to share the experience of Randy from Enderf.org, who says, I woke up sweating. I know I heard my mom call me, but I couldn't move. It's not that I had stayed up late the night before and I didn't do anything the night before to make me this tired. I just couldn't move. I closed my eyes again, hoping that sleep would go away. I had to get up for school. I heard my mom call again and I opened my eyes. I could see that she had left the light on for me. I wanted to get up and get ready for school, but I couldn't move. I knew that something was very wrong. I wanted to call out for someone to help me move, but my voice wouldn't work either. I thought to myself that I should be afraid, but I also knew that I had to get somebody or someone to come to me. I heard a knock on the door and I heard my mom let someone in. I wondered if it was someone coming to help me. I closed my eyes again. When I opened them again, I knew that I had to do something fast because I kept going back to sleep. I had to get my mom's attention. I could hear her talking with a neighbor. I knew that she couldn't help me from there. I used all my strength and all the concentration that I could to move my arms, then fell across my chest, or they fell across my chest, and I could feel my eyes close again. I tried to fight it, but I couldn't and my eyes closed again. When I opened my eyes again, I knew that I only had a few minutes to get some help. I could hear my mom call me again. I tried to answer, but my sister in the other room down the hallway drowned out my feeble attempt to say anything. I could see myself burning up from the inside. I needed help. I tried to lift my arms again, except this time I used every ounce of strength I had and threw them away from me. I fell out of bed and rolled a little distance. I closed my eyes again, then opened them, and now could muster enough strength to crawl about a foot, dragging the rest of my body behind me. I lost all strength and saw darkness. I was beginning to feel fright but knew that if I let panic take hold of me, I knew that I would die right there on the floor of my bedroom. I struggled some more in the darkness and pulled myself a few more feet, then had to rest. My neck felt like it was on fire, and my arms were turning into jelly. I knew that I didn't have much more strength. I knew that I was beginning to die. I let the panic flow through me and then pulled myself out to the hallway. I tried to call for help, but I didn't have any more strength. I was wondering what I was going to do when, with the last pull of energy that came from nowhere, I hit the wall and yelled one more time, Mom! I I heard people running through the house and could hear someone All the people sounded alike now, asked me what was wrong. I closed my eyes. 
When I regained consciousness, I was in an ambulance and I remember the loud siren and people in there with me that had made me feel a little better. I didn't die after all. I opened my eyes and saw someone holding on to me with a very sad look on their face. I knew that I wasn't doing very well. I could feel my arms now and my legs and I wish that I couldn't. My whole body was on fire. I could feel the heat coming off myself as if in a heat wave. I could feel the heat escaping, but the pain in my arms, legs, and neck and back was excruciating. I wanted to tell people that they, that, that were there that I was in deep pain, but the blissful, but the blissful sleep washed over me. Okay, Randy goes on. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because he goes on talking about, you know, the ride to the hospital and, and all these, you know, uh, more medical stuff. You can see in the show notes, we'll have a link to the original thing if you want to hear more of the medical stuff. Um, but he basically goes into a coma from having a blood clot. Okay. And, uh, and then he goes on, he says, they couldn't give me any kind of anesthesia as I was ready. Uh, I was already comatose. I heard someone yell that he's flatline. And then I went into the darkness and I should, uh, inject here too that he is hearing and seeing what's going on in and out of sleep but even you know at the times that he's awake he's unresponsive but he can hear what's what people are saying and so forth but uh, anyway so then having gone into this darkness he says i wasn't in darkness for too long a time i could feel myself moving but i knew it wasn't on the table any longer there were thousands of colors in front of me. It looked like I was watching the Aurora Borealis. Then, as if one of the rainbows of colors saw me, it came right at me and lifted me. I could feel myself moving along the rainbow as if it was, a sol as if it was solid. One of the colors hit me. I was immediately awash with emotion. The emotion was the only emotion I could feel, and then it was quickly replaced by another as I kept, or as I kept getting hit by the colors that were pure emotion. I felt pure anger, absolute love, jealousy, fear, happiness, and others that I cannot name. I was totally immersed within that emotion until another one ran into it and threw me. I was becoming part of the rainbow. I knew that I was dead, but I didn't know what to do. I looked beyond the rainbow that I was on and saw other rainbows. I wondered if other people were on the other ones. I could tell that the colors were starting to fade, as did the feelings that they were throwing at me. Finally, I stopped as if at a dock. I stood up and stepped off the rainbow. I was in what looked like a foggy gray area. It almost, it looked almost as if it was a cave. I saw a figure approach me and started to feel better. The figure was my deceased uncle. I stood before him and he told me that I was not where I was supposed to be. I looked around and could see a very bright light off in the distance and to my right. He nodded to me and said, yes, that is heaven. I looked back at him and he held out his massive hand to me. When I took it, I could see things in my mind. My mind was filled up with knowledge. 
in that split second that he touched my hand, I knew everything there was to know or will be known except one thing. He looked at me and told me that I had a choice. I could go into the light and into heaven. He told me that I, that he would be my guide up there, or I could go back as it wasn't my time. In an instant, I was throwing the co covers off my head. I was back in the hospital, surrounded by other people, other dead people, that were waiting to go to the hospital morgue. I opened my eyes and felt fine. I heard a blood-curdling scream and saw a nurse run out of the room. Minutes later, a group of people came back into the room. I found out later that I had been declared dead and had been in that state for 32 minutes. I also found out that there were 14 of us from my school that had contracted spinal meningitis. I was the only one that survived the disease. I was number 14. I was tested for the disease, but it was not to be found in my body. I was asked to stay in the hospital for an additional two weeks for tests to find out what had happened and why I was alive. During the testing, they took vials of blood and x-rays, tested my range of motion, and asked me many questions. No one asked me about the period when I was dead. I didn't tell anyone, as they didn't seem interested in anything other than why I was alive. The doctor told me on the day that I was leaving that I was going to be placed in the annals of medicine. I, I left feeling, feeling fine. When I returned, I could feel all of the knowledge that my uncle gave me slowly disappear. I knew it would only be a matter of time before all the new knowledge would eventually be gone. A short time after I got out of the hospital, I started noticing weird things happening. When I would go near a TV or radio, it would change stations. If I got too close to a light, it would burn out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not just house lights, but street lights as well. Other electrical devices would freak out whenever I would get near them. Then it too went away. I was given a gift from the experience. I realized later, after taking another IQ test, that I had gained a few points. My IQ tested out at 175. But it was not like I had learned the knowledge, but rather, for lack of a, another ex explanation, been programmed with it. There was none of the experience associated with having it all your life, so I didn't. And to the extent, to an extent, even today, do not know how to use it to its fullest potential. I feel as if there is a key piece missing. I have been told over and over again that I am a miracle and that I have some purpose or something that I'm going to do since I never made the choice that my uncle gave me. I have no doubt that a miracle did occur, but as far as the purpose, I'm still waiting. That is the end of Randy's experience. Very interesting one. Uh, one of the more in-depth as far as the details of the transition. This is interesting. I have not heard of people being hit by rainbows before. <laughs> this is new. And yet colors 
numerous colors of, uh, you know, even beyond what's in the rainbow I've heard of. But this is an interesting one. And these colors slapping with various emotions, that's new and very interesting. Another thing interesting in this experience is that this is one of those experiences where the person is not only declared dead, but basically sent off with the dead. And uh, he is sent, he's put in a room with 14 other dead bodies. And, uh, and while he's in there, he wakes back up 32 minutes after having been declared dead and, and throws the blanket off and, of course, scares the living daylights out of a nurse. I mean... <laughs> Talk about, you know, a frightening thing. One of the a dead body comes back to life, and yet he's, you know, fine after this. They keep him around for, you know, examination for testing and all this stuff, and and consider him a miracle of science and so forth. And and he doesn't tell anybody about it because he's afraid of what they'll think. They're obviously more interested in and why he's alive, not what happened while he was gone. But what happened while he was gone is probably why he's alive, which was being given the choice to return. And uh, he, though he says he didn't get to choose, my guess is he was probably deciding and was probably told, this is totally speculation, but he was probably showed, let us show you why you might want to consider going back and then showed him his purpose he realizes oh i've got to go back and then he's told you know but sorry you're not going to be able to remember your purpose but you know good luck out there <laughs> and then sends back and it's it's as if you know you would think that memory would be i don't know i don't know I'm not sure how to quantify what exactly memory is, especially as it comes from uh, spiritual realm, because it seems that uh, people often, it's like chunks of time that are removed from the memory, rather than just concepts and so forth. And yet, concepts are definitely removed often because, you know, like she says, she's given what felt like all knowledge of everything, and it disappears with time. So even the uh, mask over our memory, the veil, if you will, seems to take on different forms or have different things. Sometimes people remember the incidents, but not what they learned from them. Uh, other times they will not remember the incident or the experience, whatever, you know. And sometimes they remember some and not other parts, and it's kind of in blocky chunks of memory because they're just removed. And how that takes place, I don't know. It, but it's it's consistent throughout near-death experiences, this uh, forgetting thing. But very interesting experience. Uh, you know, I was tempted in the rainbow slaps. I was tempted to put this among dream near-death experiences where it's a dream that has near-death elements or something. But I'm inclined not to think so now. Or at least... You know, and, and when I speak of dream elements in near-death experiences, this only seems to be the case, at least from the research I've done, only seems to be the case in transitional uh, spaces. You know, if, if someone is maybe, you know, just separated from their body, or maybe they're in their body, but they're, you know, going toward a light, and they are in this tunnel, and there are dreamlike elements in it. It's rare to have dreamlike elements. Well, 
I mean, I guess all of this could be dreamlike elements in, in a way, but things that are just kind of out there, like these rainbows or, you know, other things like that, that just seem totally unique to the experience and yet, you know, very vivid as well. Are they dreamlike elements? I, I mean, are the dream elements in this transition to, you know, leaving the body into going into the spirit world? I don't know. I, 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 I can't say. This, I don't think so. I think his spirit has left his body and then going on to some rainbowy place, Aurora Borealis-like, as he describes it. And, and then he's told by his uncle, you're not supposed to be here. And it's unclear whether he's saying, whether you know, you're not supposed to be dead yet or whether you're in the wrong area. You're not supposed to be in the rainbow area. You're supposed to be over here in heaven. I'm not clear. I'm not clear on that. But clearly there are interesting and various realms in the spirit world of, of various kinds and types with different kinds of beings, different kinds of of terrain and you know I mean colors whatever and it's really exciting to me actually that there is so much variety in the spirit world because I mean we've probably lived there for pretty much all of our existence in some way and we'll live there again as as either resurrected bodies or as spirits until we are resurrected whatever that uh, you know the, this is our true home over there and it's obviously incredibly diverse and beautiful and fascinating and so it's exciting it's exciting to me that uh, they will that it's so diverse over there anyway if you would like to contact the podcast either to share your own experience or to ask a question or share a comment you can do so by emailing near death experience podcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash NDE-CAST and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor. If you do that, you'll also have an extra episode of the show every week available. And also, if you um, purchase the book, Life in the Spirit World, that will also support the podcast. And with that, thank you all of you so much again for listening. Thank you.